You know what that music means? It means it's time for Inside Gene Shepherd here on Sounds Like Radio's Library of Sound. Hello, friends. Welcome. I am your humble host, your host on these excursions into my own personal Gene Shepherd tape collection. Yeah, I taped these shows back in the, oh, I guess it was the early to mid-1970s. I believe 1977 was the last year I recorded Shepherd shows. Today's program was originally recorded by me on March 12, 1975. A very interesting show, too, because today Gene Shepherd is going to talk about uh, news and relevant news. News that's relevant to you and I. And he's even going to talk about news and the relation to power. Perhaps how people in the news can develop a false sense of power. Well, it happens. We're watching it every day on the news. Yeah, I try to avoid it because the news is so bad. It just gets you down. Well, anyway, let's listen to Gene Shepard. He'll bring us up. If you're feeling down, Gene Shepard will bring you up. Let's listen to this Gene Shepard tape I recorded on March 12th 1975. Here now, inside Gene Shepherd. Inside Gene Shepherd. Sounds throughout the nation, echoing from valley to river and from hill to mountaintop. <laughs> Nothing like a little truth, right? A little cream and maybe some blueberries on it, right? Possibly a little sugar, right? Follow with a little black coffee. Kind of sets you up for today. Once again, all the news that wasn't quite fit to print is coming your way. Mankind picking through the vast garbage heap of existence, trying to find an eternal Coke bottle to trade in for another two cents, hoping against hope. sinuses anytime. Joe, would you please uh, t- uh, help me here for a moment? I hate to interrupt your conversation and tell them Roosevelt Raceway's closed, will you? Uh, <laughs> what's the matter there? 
All right, now, uh, I, I uh, would desire your assistance now in a little experiment here. Just a minute. Uh, let's see. Uh... Do you recognize that? Okay, did you get that? You don't recognize that? Cut down the old pine tree. Yes, they cut down the old pine tree to make a coffin of pine for that sweetheart of mine. Oh, they cut down the old pine tree. You don't recognize that? Well, I those two tinfoil ears that you got hanging on the side of your head don't help one damn bit. I can tell you that. It's sad, you know. Uh, <laughs> I mean... Before the shortages, people used to have tin ears. Now they only have tin foil ears. Uh, they cut down the... Now, I want you to, if you can, I don't know whether it's uh, possible, but can you record this for me? I want uh, just a, a phrase that I want you to record, and can you play it back to me while I'm on the air? You can't do that? You only have two machines. What does that mean? One machine is constantly recording all the telephone conversations that are being made in the entire building, you say, right? Well, okay, I'll have to do this entire production then without the aid of technical assistance, which is to say uh, the aesthetics of the whole show have just gone down the drain. Let's see. Maybe I can play it myself. I'll have to play it live. And uh, hey, here's, here's, here's what the whole point of this is, I mean be honest with you, I think that uh, the word, the press and the media has become very important in the last uh, 10 years, right? People talk, constantly talk about the press. In fact, I'm going to make a prediction right here now. Uh, you, you get ready for prediction time, Shepard's prediction time. I would say that by 1978, maybe 80, the power of the press will have risen to such a point that it will occupy in our country much the same status that has been occupied by the church in other countries and the military in other countries. Now, I'm talking about political status. Uh, in many countries, for example, around the world, uh, it is a fact of life in those countries that the military must be consulted before anything, any kind of law is passed. They're, they're the unofficial government. <laughs> they really are. Uh, in other countries, it's the church. So the church must be consulted. Whoever the archbishop is or whoever is in that area there, that church must be consulted or else uh, forget it. Uh, it's just not going to... They're an unofficial arm of the government. Now, uh, in, 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 in the origin of our country, way back, uh, oh, how many years, 200 years ago when our country was founded, uh, the great fears, of course, of the people in those days was a dictatorship of the military, and that's why the president was made commander-in-chief of the military. Did you know that's why they did that? Oh, yeah. Of civilian commander-in-chief. They were afraid because they had come out of Europe, you know, those people, 
and they had found that uh, that in many cases the the uh, the head of a government was also the leading general. <laughs> I mean, and uh, so they made a, a, a stipulated a rule that the president had to be a civilian, and even if he had been a, a general before that, he had to stop, forget it. He was now a civilian. And we've had several generals that have become presidents, but they had to become civilians to be president. Uh, Eisenhower had to resign his commission. Uh, Grant, uh, other presidents uh, who were generals at one time or another, had to, uh, you know, simply stop being a general. Now, uh, in other countries, that isn't true. I mean, the, the general often the head of the country becomes a general. Then at that point, uh, <laughs> he he does. Uh, Marshal Stalin became a marshal uh, in the uh, in the army. Uh, he was in generalissimo and so forth uh, constantly. Well, all right, that's another story. Now, uh, there was also a great fear of the church, right? Because there had been many, uh, many church dictatorial people that, uh, that they were escaping from around 200, maybe 250 years ago. Now, so the, I, I, I say that by 1980, roughly, uh, but they did not understand that, that in 200 years ago, there was no such thing as media, as we certainly know it in our day. There were just a few newspapers, that's all. <laughs> and, uh, but now there is a thing called media, which is very, very powerful. And uh, in a sense, that has stepped into the void. Uh, the media has become the great guardian of morals and patriotism and all the rest of it, which, uh, the, uh, well, which the, uh, the church used to be in many countries, the guardian of morals, the arbiter of what is right and wrong. Uh, this is also what the military in many countries sets itself up to be, is the arbiter of what is really patriotic for the Slobobians, what is really good for the, uh, the people of, uh, uh, you know, of, of lower, lower Slobobia or upper Slobobia, whatever it might be. Now, in our case, uh, and in the case of many people in the world, the media just didn't exist. So I say, I'm making a prediction here, that by 1980, since uh, the press has uh, been an, uh, almost an undeclared, unspecified uh, organ of government. It really has become that, pretty much. Uh, oh, yes, newspapers are outraged now. I mean, the whole press will become outraged when a president makes a decision they don't like. You know? oh, they demand the immediate uh, uh, restitution or correction of that. That, uh, that by 1980, the president who will be in at that time, whoever he might be, uh, 1980, 84, maybe 84, yeah. He will have recognized this because uh, there will be constant carping and criticism and complaining among the press about various uh, whoever's in. and the, uh, that the, There will be the appointment, I'm making a prediction, there will be the appointment of the president by something that will be called roughly the National, uh, possibly presidential will be in the title, but I doubt it, the National uh, Media Advisory Board. Sounds logical, doesn't it? And there would be like, say, 24 major media members, the Times, uh, the, New York, the Washington Post, all the various type, and, and they, will, uh, they will pass on all legislation on an unofficial basis before it's passed. You can see that, can't you? And, and so the president will get a bill before him, and then he'll have to call Reston and all the boys in 
say, now, what do you think, fellas? Shall I do this or not? And they will vote. And then uh, if, if, say, there's 45 guys on this council, if uh, 40 of them vote for it, okay, he stamps it, and uh, it goes. And at that point, <laughs> can you see that? Now, I'm not, this, this should not be construed as anti-press, what I'm saying here. I'm just merely predicting something that could come to pass. Uh, and uh, you heard it here first. I just saying it's not anti-press. I'm merely saying that this is uh, what I think will happen. If people say uh, Shepard never deals in things political, this is exactly what this is. But it's not political. It's more social. It's a, it's a social trend. And, and, of course, I think a lot of people uh, would, would welcome such a thing because just as in many countries, many people would welcome the ascension of the military or many people would welcome the ascension of the church. Depends on how you feel about those institutions. And uh, I, I suspect that, uh, that a lot of people would feel a little, bit, uh, a little bit secure sleeping in the knowledge that Walter Cronkite is very carefully considering all the the uh, <laughs> current and uh, and uh, I might add and Walter Cronkite of course will consult with Eric Severide and uh, Eric Severide will call Mr. Reston and or, or their equivalents of that period and uh, a lot of us will say at last uh, civilization at last we have uh, come at the clear bright waters of lucidity <laughs> do you see that coming to pass oh yeah and uh, and of course, uh, eventually uh, you'll have you'll see the eventual clash, where uh, where the president or whoever is in the or let's say the Senate will have a great clash with the media, uh, who will feel one way about one thing and the media will feel another. And at that point, then the the country will take great sides, and I see the victory of the media. And then ultimately, uh, they'll finally have to say, well, we've got to cut out all this this uh, messing around. That's the trouble with democracy. Slobs keep getting elected. And uh, <laughs> a lot of people are already saying that. They, they, they really are. You know, that's been said in America for, oh, probably 25 years or better. In fact, it was said from the time of, did you know that when that first talk began to, to start out, historically, it began during the days of the great commoner. Who was that? What president was known as the great commoner? Let's give you a clue. He was named Andrew. Jackson, that's correct. And already voices were heard as long ago as that. That was back in the early 1800s. Uh, it was, well, where did Jackson make his name? Well, among other places, the Battle of New Orleans. And what war was that in? Come on, keep your head going there. But, uh, all right, uh, we'll leave that past. That's for graduate students in history. That, uh, <laughs> uh, nevertheless, uh, uh, much uh, dissatisfaction with democracy was shown when Johnson, or Jackson, rather, got into the White House and immediately began to throw big dances, and all his buddies came in and spit tobacco juice on the floor, on the parquet floors. Yeah, they come in there, and one guy even rode his mule in, and, uh, and uh, anybody could come to see the president. You drop by, and he's sitting in his office, chewing the back, and you drop in, and uh, that was a that was a whole different lifestyle. Uh, and and uh, a lot of pa papers began to voice dissatisfaction with democracy because clods could get elected, and uh, to this day uh, there are echoes of that 
echoes, more than echoes in some cases. And so, uh, uh, yeah, and, and we tend to think of the press as, uh, as one big uh, uh, entity today. Well, it isn't. But uh, nevertheless, uh, I, I, I read all kinds of papers. I read all sorts of papers. I, I love to listen to news of all types, not because I'm, I'm uh, hung on the, the particular event, but the way it's reported. Uh, a lot of, a lot of, uh, no matter what it is, now there is a sense of, well, we're being led down the garden path. In fact, the other day I heard a, uh, a very cynical weather report. Oh yes, oh yes, where, where, uh, <laughs> where, where, where he implied that the weather was playing a dirty trick on the weather department, or at least this uh, weather department of this television station, by doing what it did. I mean, it. it rained uh, holy hell uh, when, when he had predicted only a 12 percent uh, chance of uh, rain. And now he did not say, I erred. He implied that, uh, that whatever gods are in charge of the weather were once again being pervidious and sneaky and uh, had rolled those big bowling balls down the vast <laughs> bowling lane of Jupiter Pluvius and plume that came down without consulting uh, Dr. Frank Fields, and uh, you know it, it gets pretty. Uh, uh, yes, it gets it gets very un unmanageable. And so tonight, I I have one of my favorite papers. Whenever whenever it starts to gather around me, I mean you know uh, the 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 great technological life of media, of which I am an indisputable part. When uh, whenever it starts to gather around me, I have several papers that I read as a kind of antidote. To, uh, to what might be called slick, uh, uh, mm, I suppose you might say, canned journalism. Are you aware that almost every paper in the country today publishes almost all the same uh, columnists? It's all canned. Oh, yeah. You can go for 12,000 miles in all directions, and you will find, say, Jim Bishop in every paper. Uh, you go 12,000 miles in the other direction, and you'll find, uh, say, uh, James Reston and all the other papers. Yeah? Oh, I mean, it's, 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 it, this is supplanted network television and radio commentary. It's become a kind of canned, uh, what, what I suppose you could call it, uh, uh, mm, the word is uh, oh, uh, possibly... Uh, well, syndicated journalism, really. It's uh, you know the, 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 the many newspapers you know in the country have don't even have reporters. They don't need reporters anymore. You know they don't. They really don't. They have a publisher. They have a guy that sets the type. They have a bunch of people that run around and sell ads. And way down at the bottom of the list, there are two or three guys that keep writing the obits. All the rest of the stuff comes in from various quote sources. Comes in from the wire. It's called. And uh, so it's all tied in together. But uh, whenever, it, whenever it begins to bother me like that, I, I read, say, the Gnome Nugget. It's a great newspaper to read. The Gnome Nugget. And by the way, they, they get peanuts up there, too. So <laughs> you can't get away from peanuts. Mary Worth and the Wizard of Id pursues you. It's going to pursue you all. Can't you just see yourself arriving in hell? And the paper arrives on the front step of the fiery furnace where you're sitting there stoking the fire, and the first thing that pops out at you is, is Snoopy. <laughs> say, oh, God, I can't get away no matter what happens. And uh, I read, I read the, uh, this paper, the, the Nugget, 
And one of my favorite papers, by the way, is a paper from Maine. Yeah, Maine. I, uh, I read the Advertiser Democrat. You never heard of the Advertiser? That's a... Now, there's a the paper that comes right out and says it. The Advertiser Democrat. Apparently, with a name like that, that means we'll take any ad. Uh, democracy, right? Advertiser. The Advertiser Democrat. Meaning, we'll take any ad. <laughs> I mean, we make no differentiation. But it's a, it's a great paper, and it's only about what's happening there. And it's real news. Now, now, what is real news? Now, real news is as opposed to events. Now, events generally have very little to do with any of us. And so, you will read in the paper, uh, the president makes an address on the economy. Well, I'm, you know, that's interesting. Uh, or, or you'll read in the paper, uh, George Meany charges uh, chicanery in high places. And by God, his union is going to fight it right down to the end, and they want more money. Okay, so that doesn't really affect you. You're working, you know, you're working at the Acme Bolton Rivet Company, you know, in the tabulating department. And uh, it's, life is just uh, one lunch after the other. That's about all. The only difference is one day you have peanut butter and jelly sandwiches in your paper bag, and the next day you have tuna fish salad sandwiches in your paper bag. And, uh, you know, that's what... <laughs> well, I'm just describing what life is for most people. And they measure their days not by... Uh, I don't think the world will end with a bang and a whimper, and I don't think most people today measure their days uh, by uh, coffee spoons. Quick, who am I quoting? T.S. Eliot. How do you like that? So, uh, yeah, that's not exactly a lightweight. But uh, I don't think that they do measure their days by coffee spoons today. I think they measure their days by whether or not Canon is on or whether Hawaii Five O is on tonight. That's what the days have become to most people. And, you know, there's rising excitement by about 4 o'clock in the afternoon among many people. Oh, Canon's on tonight. That makes uh, this day worth living. Uh, or, uh, oh, Hawaii Five O is on tonight. Another big day, a red-letter day in uh, existence. You see the point of that, Joe? <laughs> so the real news, really, involves what happens to actual people. And so we, uh, you're walking around uh, here uh, at, uh, in your office, and a real news item is, did you hear what happened to J.G. Snyder of Costa County? And uh, somebody said, what happened to him? says, well, he had such an unbelievable case of athlete's foot that he had to go to the hospital. And now he's back again, and he got rid of his athlete's foot. He had to go to the hospital. Now, that's news. The word gets out. Everybody talks about J.G.'s uh, fantastic case of athlete's foot. Or, hey, did you hear what uh, uh, Clarence did uh, down in the mail room? And they said, what did he do? Well, did you hear what he did? He got thrown out of the Bluebird Tavern the other night, drunker in a coot. And the word goes out. <laughs> now, that's real news. You agree? Okay, do you want to hear what's happening in South Paris, Maine? This is a contemporary news. Yes, South Paris, Norway, and South Paris, Maine. This is the Advertiser Democrat, one of my favorite papers. And I have selected a group of, uh, of news notes that you might like to hear because it's true news. Okay? All right. The, here's, here's a news note from South Waterford, Maine. Alan White shot a big woodchuck in his garden. It had consumed a lot of his cucumbers before he finally spotted him. Now a spell of cool weather is holding the gardens back. Woodchucks are plentiful and hungry, as well as more bugs every year. Okay, that's what's happening in South Waterford. Now, 
You want to know what happened in North Paris the other day? Owen Bonney Sr. went grocery shopping with his wife Thursday morning. He got new blades for his electric razor. He can shave now again. Arthur Allen fell Sunday and cut the side of his face on a table. Boy, there's a lot of action in North Paris. I like the... Now, that's real news. You know, really. Orville Sather yesterday got his shoes resold. Well, now everyone would... would uh, <laughs> everyone would appreciate that, wouldn't they? Right? Okay, here's, uh, here's what happened in uh, Newry, Maine. Uh, David Fleet has been has his haying all done. And uh, he finished it, and now he's just settling back. I mean, you know, this guy's got it made. Linda Harrington had a new mayor arrive Monday afternoon from Florida. She had traveled since 6 p.m. Saturday and was one tired lady. We're talking about the mayor, not Linda, okay? And uh, Roland Morin had the misfortune to hit a medium-sized bear at the dump, killing it instantly and damaging his car a lot. Allstate is now considering whether they're going to pay or not. Okay? <laughs> I mean, you know, there's a rumor around that he was chasing the bear. And, of course, you don't get that. And the bear turned and bopped in his grill. So, you know, that, that this is pretty nasty. You want to hear more news? Okay, here's what happened in uh, Freiburg at the toll bridge. This is a special byline report by George Fraser. Sunday night, while driving on Route 5, Mr. Hammond of Lovell saw a large bull moose cross the road ahead of him and he had slowed down. He then ran into a smaller bull by Barker's driveway, which was following the larger one. He got mousetrapped, see? Bashed in the front of his car, its small set of antlers were in the velvet. Fred Gould and the game warden were called to the scene. There was some damage to the car, although the bull is limping heavily at this point. We see what happened there. Now that's news. That's a real news note. Uh, you know, they have a lot of uh, woodchuck problems up in Maine. You want to hear another woodchuck news flash? Mylon Cummings of West Paris spent a night and day at his grandparents to see if he could get a woodchuck that was raiding their garden. He found holes, he felt, they were living in, and by giving them a smoking-out treatment, nothing happened. Obviously, they either moved or else they just are getting used to smoke. Anyway, he didn't get any of the woodchucks, and he's going back next weekend to try again. Now, that's a news note from North Waterford. Uh, here's a, a kind of, here's a great news item from Lovell, Maine again. And this is a news flash that was uh, written in or penned in by the Lovell correspondent of the Advertiser Democrat. Hot flash had opened up her column for the week. Mrs. Paul Morton dropped in on Mrs. Francis Heath for a minute. Well, you know, if you know the two, you know that's quite a news item. You know, they haven't been getting along for years. Ever since that night at the PTA, you remember, the one that when Mrs. Norton made the remark about, about Mrs. Heath potato salad, they haven't talked, and now they're getting back together again, and the things are smoothing out in Lovell. So you have to know the background of these people. Uh, for example, here's, a, here's another note from Freiburg. Dr. Jarvis has painted the front of his house. It covers the place where the old porch was torn off. You know, that's been a lot of talk around town with all the money that Dr. Jarvis is making with those appendix operations and stuff, and he didn't even paint the front of his house where the porch came off, you know? Now, uh, would you like to hear what's happening in Bryant Pond? After nine months in Boston, certainly good to be back on Lower Main Street. You know, this correspondent spent a lot of time in the big city. Uh, it says, there's one thing we miss very much, and that's the loss of our whistle at the spool factory. 
It seems that when we were off visiting in Boston, somebody did away with the whistle at the spool factory, and we miss it. Uh, it says, we also heard, though, however, with uh, joy, the chime, the deep chime of the bell at the clothespin factory. You didn't know there was a spool factory and a clothespin factory in Bryant Pond. Well, where do you think you get your clothespins from? You think that the clothespin fairy makes them for you? What kind of a fool are you? Andover, Maine. We have a bear and a moose on loose in the town. They have been seen in different parts of the town. Now, that is news item. Now, if you think that's a joke, let me tell you something now. I was just a few months ago, I was up in, in Waterville, Maine. Now, that's a big city uh, compared to most cities in Maine. Waterville's a good-sized town. In fact, it's the hometown of uh, Senator who? Senator Muskie, for heaven's sakes. And that's a big town, see? Well, you know, they got all kinds of super highways and stuff coming into town there. And on a quiet Wednesday night, uh, the only action in town there, really, after 7 o'clock, is the, uh, well, there's a, there's a local Zares. Everybody goes in and stands around and watches people buy popcorn and stuff in the lobby. Of, you know what the Zares is there. You don't know what Zares is? Well, that's a big discount store. Let's put it this way. Up in uh, Boston and Maine, up that whole area up there, the Zare, that's Z-A-Y-R-E, Zare. That's a big discount chain. It's, it's something like, uh, let's say, uh, uh, a New England version of uh, Great Eastern or Two Guys from Harrison, you know. And uh, you go in there, they get the great big shop there. And they have canoes and all that stuff, always on special. And uh, there's thousands and thousands of uh, racks full of stuff. And the people go down there. It's all lit up, see. And they're open every night till 9, you know. So uh, that's the big action in, in Waterville is to go walk around Zares. Uh, after, say, 7 o'clock at night, you walk around Zares. And uh, then after Zares closes, of course, the place is in, in uh, total, uh, total silence. They close at 9. And where does everybody go then after 9 o'clock? Well, there's two places. There's a place where they sell a thing called the Assyrian Dagwood Sandwich. Everybody goes there. Yeah, it's, uh, it's uh, Tony's place, and they have Assyrian Dagwood. Fantastic sandwich. They say that the Assyrian Dagwood... Is such a powerful sandwich that it can cure cases, as they say up there, arthritis. Also, it also can, uh, can cure certain cases of bronchial trouble. You know, all through New England, they have things called bronchial trouble. Have you ever known anybody that had bronchial trouble and arthrit arthritis at the same time? Also, there's another curse that uh, uh, folk medicine people have, and that's called back trouble. You've known people that had back trouble. And then uh, there's, a, there's a thing that attacks women among the folk world, and that's called nerves. She suffered from nerves for years. You've heard of ladies who suffer from nerves? Her, of course, her husband has both arthritis and back trouble. And uh, that's not, not easy. And you go to a chiropractor for all those things, right? Okay? <laughs> you do. So, uh, nevertheless, at 9 o'clock when the, when, the, uh, when the lights go out in Zares, and everybody has to go running out in the parking lot and get in their car. Where do you go? Well, uh, you don't just, uh, you know, well, first of all, you drive up and down Main Street about seven times uh, just to see what's happening. And, of course, you discover once again that nothing is happening. So you go to the only place in town with a real action. That's McDonald's. That's McDonald's on Upper Main Street. Now, that's really exciting. Uh, because there are driveways on both sides, and you see, uh, you, you can tell when Zares lets out. 
because the parking lot immediately fills up with large amounts of Maine types who come in uh, for their Big Mac to polish off the night, their Big Mac. And, uh, you know, usually either that, uh, sometimes they get a cherry milkshake and a Big Mac, uh, followed by a quarter pounder with cheese, and often for just to polish it off, and they polish it off with a classical quarter pounder as opposed to the cheese. And they sit there all night long and talk and holler till that closes. Now, everybody was down there on this Wednesday night. It is about 9.30. I happen to be in the immediate vicinity. It's 9.30 at night. Now, you don't see this kind of stuff in the, in the, in the New York Times. This is real news. Uh, it is 9.30 on a Wednesday night, and the usual Hope Mond had gathered at, uh, at the, the McDonald's. And they're all there, uh, sitting in their cars, their 53 Chevys. And uh, there you see all kinds of sobs up there for some reason or other due to the extreme climate up there. The sob is great up there, all covered with mud and those main license plates, almost unreadable because of the mud and stuff. And they're all sitting there in the parking lot. Now, this is a big town again, I must add. It's not, not a little bitty town. And uh, they're chomping away at the Big Macs when all of a sudden, coming along Upper Main Street, Walking along, just like anybody else, walking on the sidewalk, would you believe it? They have a sidewalk in that area there. He's walking on a sidewalk, and he walks right into the parking lot, and incidentally, cleared out the parking lot in a split second. The parking lot was cleared. People took off like birds. I mean, you should have seen it. It was like starlings. They flew down the street yelling and hollering and, and hitting each other. All right. You know what it was? It was fantastic. If, can you imagine if this happened right here on, on 6th Avenue or Broadway, what would happen? Walking right down on his hind legs was a seven-foot-tall bear. Seven feet, friends. And he just walked right down, standing up on his hind legs. He walked right into the parking lot at, at McDonald's. Ah, the people, you know, took off. And, and he just walked in there, and he took one look, you know, at the joint. And, uh, of course, all the people inside McDonald's, there was a lot of excitement in there, you know. Ronald was making a state visit there that night. And uh, there was a... There was a lot of confusion, you know, and, and a lot, it was, they tell me that he caused over $75 worth of damage in the, he didn't do anything. But of course, what happened, you know, all this, these big machines that are making the hamburgers, everybody ran away. And the next thing you know, uh, uh, 1,600 pounds of uh, French fries were overdone. Uh, everything just went to hell there for a while. And his bear just walked around the parking lot about four times and then went right back out on Upper Main Street and continued in his, uh, in his general direction towards the dump. He was not seen again that night. However, it was a leading news item. Now, you should hear about that kind of stuff. You want to hear another one? One night I'm sitting, uh, I'm, uh, I happen to be in the motel up in that area there, and I turn on the radio, and the announcer comes on just as calm as anybody. He says, uh, Oh, he said, before we go out to state and national news, the state police uh, have issued a warning of uh, a gang of, uh, of marauding bears uh, which have been moving through town and are moving in a southeasterly direction. All residents are advised to stay in their house and to wrap all garbage well because the bears are on their way. And now to the weather. I thought to myself, you know, you just don't hear that kind of news item. Do you want to hear some more now? Listen to this. Oh, this is something... Uh, here, uh, well, here we go. Uh, mm, Bill Eastman in Stowe, 
Mrs. S-T-O-W, Maine, had the misfortune to break his glasses the other day. Well, that's a news item, especially if you know Bill. I mean, he can't see a foot in front of his face, and he broke his glasses, and of course he had to go all the way, send all the way to Boston to get new lenses. And how he broke them, he broke them when uh, uh, he was cleaning them. One of the lenses fell out, and he stepped on it. Well, you know, this is the kind of news item I like to hear. Here's one. Uh, in Freiburg, William Robbins has purchased a planer for his own use. Uh, he has picked up quite a lot of custom work, however. It makes a big pile of shavings when he uses his planer, and he's now putting these between the rows and his raspberry patch to keep the weeds down. I mean, you know, you can't put down old Bill Robbins. He's right with it. Here's one in Stowe again. Uh, Nat Halkett went to Turner Wednesday to get her hair done, and her mother went along for the ride. Well, if you know anything about her hair, you know it was about time. My God, that was getting to be a sight. Uh, here's one here, too. Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, here's one from Stowe again. The, the correspondent says, My husband has the prettiest toe in town. A cow stepped on his toe Saturday, and now it's red, purple, black, and yellow. The nail is about to fall off. Well, th this is news. Uh, Owen Bonney Sr. is used up with arthritis in his good leg. Used up. Now, there's a phrase you never heard here in town, did you? Used up means he's in trouble. Mrs. Ruth Wilkinson... Wilton and her granddaughter uh, visited uh, Wilson Sunday. Ruth brought back some sickly plants. She brought back some sickly plants for Irene to bring back to health. By the way, in uh, Hunt's Corner, the week's callers of Mrs. and Mr. Dick Bennett and boys were Mr. and Mrs. Harold Nutting of Bethel. They dropped in, had a cup of coffee, and went on. They spent five minutes very pleasantly in conversation. A Myrtle Summer of Greenwood reported a catastrophe when one of her dogs came in contact with a large male skunk. The town is uh, recovering, however. Uh, Scott Wilfong was attacked and severely bitten on the wrist by a chicken last week. Well, you know. Lovell, uh, Henry Heath, uh, cleaned his father-in-law's chimbley. And uh, by the way, Frances gave her sister a permanent and curled her mother's hair while visiting the Heaths. Uh, Virginia Brewer was pickling beets last week again. Well, now, if you know anything about Virginia, you know that's an important news item. She's had a beet hang up for years. She's pickled over 4,000 quarts a year for years on end, and now the whole basement is filled with pickled beets. They don't know where the hell to put them. A Sunday River news note, the woman bird watchers were in town the other day and stopped to talk. They talked, well, who were they talking with? Well, they were talking with uh, our gander. It's a, you know, that's a, you know what a gander is, don't you? Says he answered right back. That's kind of good. Fred Judkins, incidentally, is looking for an outdoor water tub. Last week he patched up the old wooden one, and now it leaks worse than it did before. So Fred's still in trouble. God, he had more trouble. Mrs. Mary Morin's dog of Sunday River has a nice new doghouse in preparation for the winter. Now that's news. That's news. Well, you know, he was sleeping under the porch down at the town hall for years. And now he's got that new house. And there you have it, friends, inside Gene Shepard from a tape I originally recorded on March 12th, 1975. Now, when was it originally broadcast over the AM signal of WOR? 
Well, I don't know. I don't have an original date for that program. My guess, though, is probably in late 1974, as the FM versions that I recorded with much better sound than the AM, those FM versions were usually about two, three months after the original AM broadcast of Gene Shepard. So my guess, late 1974, perhaps early 1975. At any rate, it was recorded by me on March 12, 1975. Hope you enjoyed the Gene Shepard Show for today. Till next time, I am your humble host for Sounds Like Radio's Library of Sound. Thank you for listening, friends. Goodbye for now. (laughs) 